Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn to Mark, the third chapter. And I want to start there this morning, Mark, the third chapter, and share with you some thoughts that I've had over maybe the last three or four weeks, partly that came from a sermon that Brother Tim preached, and partly because of some scriptures that I'd had on my mind. If you remember, it's maybe a month ago, or, or give or take, uh, Brother Tim preached a sermon about the nation maker. If you haven't listened to that, you can find that on our podcast and about the origin of nations and where they come from. And that was in part something that stimulated my mind about nations. And if I could title this sermon, I would title it Why Nations Fall. Why Nations Fall. And hopefully, I'll be honest with you, as I studied this out, there was a, there was a lot of information and I, uh, and, I, and I prayed that the Lord would give me the gift of explaining and to be able to present it in a way that was uh, easy to understand. And if the Lord doesn't answer that prayer, I'm sorry if this is a little bit scattered and confusing, but I hope he blesses it. Why nations fall? For you Bible readers, you know, uh, if you think about the Bible as a whole, specifically the Old Testament, there are thousands and thousands of accounts in there, specific accounts. Uh, that you can read about, but as just a whole, you ask yourself, what is what is really one of the main themes of the Old Testament? And uh, it, you know, you can give uh, several different answers for that, but I think it's very easy to see, and that we would probably all agree on one of the main themes uh, that you see is that the Lord chooses a man named Abraham, right? And out of Abraham, He brings forth a nation to Himself. Uh, and we call that nation Israel, right? And he gives Israel laws and he becomes their, uh, he is their God and he guides them and he leads them through uh, all types of difficulties. And um, you see the, the, the birth and the rise of a nation called Israel. But in the Old Testament, you also see the fall of the nation Israel. And then you see the deliverance of the nation Israel. So a lot of it is a historical account of the ups and downs of a nation, right? And Paul even writes in the book of 1 Corinthians, I think it's the the 10th or 11th chapter, that he writes that the things that happened to Israel were given to us as an example. Now, anytime you've ever had somebody give you an example, they're expecting you to learn something from it, right? Right. Um, when, when you're in, when you're in school, I can remember, uh, in school, you know, the teacher says, open up your, you know, your math books to, to chapter five and the first, you know, two or three pages of chapter five would be full of examples of the things that they were wanting you to learn. And so when somebody gives you an example, they're expecting you to pay attention and to learn some things from that. Right. And so when we think about the rise and fall of the nation Israel, we ought to look at that as as more than just a historical account. We should look at that as the Lord saying, you need to read about these people, read about these times and learn from them so you don't fall in the same way that they fell. Right now in Mark, the third chapter reasons nations fall. Hopefully I can give you a couple reasons why nations fall. You know, I I read uh, somewhere and I tried to research a little bit and I found some people that will, you know, will confirm it and some people that, that don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with it. Which, I mean, isn't that everything today, right? But the average lifespan, this one particular thing that I read, the average lifespan of a nation or an empire is about 250 years. There are some that live, uh, that, that go on a little bit longer than that. There are some nations that fall before then. But they said on average, uh, a nation lasts about 250 years. Well, if you've done the math, then for the United States of America, then the year 2026 would be our 250th year, right? 
And listen, I'm not saying this to scare you because that's just with some man's research and I don't know how entirely true that is. But some of the things that I read about the length of nations and how long that they lasted, how long empires lasted, if our nation were to last 500 years from 1776, do you realize that would be almost globally historic, right? I want you to think about uh, the, the empire of Rome. Uh, and, you know, the empire of, of the Greeks. I want you to think about the Babylonian empire. Where are those things today? They're gone, right? So it's hard for us to imagine that, that nations could fall, but nations can most certainly fall. And so let's look at a few reasons for that. In Mark, the third chapter, at this point, I'm going to start reading about verse 22. At this point, Jesus has been on the scene for quite a while. And one of the things that Jesus has done is he has cast out diseases. Uh, he has cast out devils. He's cast out demons from people. And in verse 22 of Mark 3, it says this. And the scribes, which came down from, from Jerusalem, said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. You see, they were attributing this power of him being able to cast out spirits, they attributed that power to coming from Satan himself. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand in another one of the gospels this is recorded and the lord says a kingdom or a nation divided against itself shall come to desolation now you ask yourself what brings about the fall of a nation well by the lord's own words here one of the things that contributes to a nation falling is that that nation is divided against itself now that ought to send a little bit of a shudder up your spine because everywhere we look in America we are divided we are we are so divided it makes you sick at your stomach sometimes I want you to think about the racial division that we have in our country I mean it is out of control racial division one race set against another race it has gotten so out of hand that you don't have to have the slightest racial motivation to do something and you can still be blamed and, and accused and really charged with being doing something that's racially motivated. That's how charged it is. There has to be no evidence anymore that something is racially motivated. Somebody just can, uh, somebody just can accuse you of having racial motivations and you're guilty. And we're so divided racially. You know, you, you, you turn, I, I saw, a, I saw a, a video the other day of a, uh, of a man that was, was pulled over. He had an expired tag. He had a suspended driver's license. And when the officer who was a different race comes up to the window, this huge arg argument breaks out that this was racially motivated. You see, we're divided racially, right? Turn on the news if you don't believe that. There's a tremendous amount of racial division in America. We're divided politically. When, you, when, when the time for an election comes along, 
a presidential election and you're watching the election results, it seems like for the last, you know, good many elections, doesn't it seem like it's a nail biter? Doesn't it seem like it just comes down to the wire and it's so, so very close and it's almost, you know, 50-50 on how our nation, what our nation's political views are? We're extremely divided racially. We're extremely divided politically. We are becoming extremely divided socially. I want you to think about, about the past year and a half <clears throat> at uh, how, how the, the, you know, the introduction of this virus into our society, how it has just divided people. You know, you got, you got people that, and, you know, and I'm not here to give my opinions and views on it, certainly. I hope I'm wiser than that. But you do have people who are, you know, very pro-vaccination. You have people who are very anti-vaccination. You have people who are very pro-mask. You have people who are very anti-mask. You have people who are very pro these protocols. People who are anti these protocols. And we're just divided. We're divided on so many fronts, whether it's race, whether it's politics, whether it's a virus, you name it. There's a tremendous amount of division in our country. And the Lord says... By his own words, that a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. And so if America continues to follow the same pattern of division, we can expect to fall. And we can't scratch our heads and look around and be like, what in the world happened to America? Because the Lord so simply laid it out, division brings the destruction of a nation. Now, it's interesting that the word devil comes from the word diablos. And the root word for diablos is division. And I'm going to give you this. I I told Brother Josh Coker I'd give him credit for it. We had a great talk the other night. I got to spend some time with him. And he told me, he he texted me this morning because we had shared some, I'd shared some of these thoughts with him. And he said, it took one lie, one lie, one half truth, really, in the Garden of Eden to have a woman deceiving her husband and a a husband blaming his wife. One lie from the master of division. And he has said a husband and a wife created by God in a perfect utopian society and he caused division to where one of them's blaming the other one one of them's you know deceiving the other one and and from there it's all downhill you see Satan wants to divide us and listen he will divide our church if we do not stand on the walls with merciful hearts and humility he will divide your home he will divide the church. He will divide the community. He will divide a marriage. He'll divide a nation. And when that happens, it cannot stand. I want you to think about a marriage maybe. You know, you always see these, these signs around a house. It says a house divided. And on one side it's got Alabama. On the other side it's got Auburn. Well, that's all fun and games, right? But when a house, when a husband and a wife are truly divided and they stay divided, there's only one outcome. It will fall when a nation is as divided as we are on so many fronts 
there's only one outcome and it's going to fall. Right. One of the reasons nations fall is because they're divided. When you look at the example of Israel that I talked about that we're supposed to look at and learn from. Another reason nations fall is because when a nation ceases to seek truth, that is one step in the direction of seeing that nation crumble. Now, Paul writes Timothy, and I'm going to paraphrase here. He says, the time is going to come when people will not endure sound doctrine. And he says, after their own lust, they're going to heap heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they're going to turn away from what? Truth. And turn to fables. Right? Now, that's what Paul writes to him. He says, hey, that, that time is coming. We, we see a time over in the book of Judges where um, it says that there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, for every child of God, there is a king on the throne. Even though you may not acknowledge him as your king. Are you with me? When we cease to acknowledge God as our king and as our lawgiver. And we begin to heap to ourselves teachers that will tell us what scratches our itch and to tell us what justifies our own lust. We have walked away from truth and are one step closer into falling. You know, over in the book of Jeremiah Uh, The book of Jeremiah is a great book to read if you want to study about why nations fall. In the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof. If ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, I will pardon it. That sounds a lot like uh, Abraham talking to the Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, hey, if there's, Lord, if there's 50, will you not destroy it? If there's, if there's 45, you know, what we know from that account is there were at least, I believe, less than 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. And probably there were the only ones that escaped Sodom and Gomorrah that were actually righteous. <clears throat> but it sounds like that. It sounds like that. If there's any, if you can find one person that's seeking the truth, then I will pardon the judgment on this nation. And if you know about the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations, that Israel falls because they quit seeking truth. Now, Pilate asked the Lord, when Pilate has a beaten, bloody Jesus, Pilate's standing there and Pilate asks the question, he says, what is truth? And that's a good question. What is truth? Truth is hard to find in today's time, right? Uh, that's why it's, it's, it makes you want to pull your hair out uh, because you'll find one person saying this thing and then another person, then the most supposedly experts saying something totally opposite or political parties, one person saying this and another, another political person saying something totally opposite. You're like, I don't know what to believe. This is what we can believe. This is truth. You understand? And when we take this truth and we either lay it aside or we dilute it to the point that it's no profit to us, and we create our own truths and our own standards, which is what we're doing in America, then we're going to fall. Now, have you ever heard this? Somebody takes a stance and they'll say, well, God's word is ever changing. God's word is in a process of evolution. 
Now, I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and uh, that I have heard people say that, that take a very pro-homosexual stand, that the reason that they can still, so, you know, go to church and do all those things is because they believed that over time God has looked down on man and God's views on certain things have morphed and changed as he's watched man over time. Well, you know what that is? That's laying aside God's truth and creating your own truth. So when you've got a nation that is, is as divided as we are, and when you have a nation that has laid down truth and rewritten their own truth to satisfy their own lust, according to the Bible, you are headed for destruction. That's another reason that nations fall as we create our own standard and quit seeking truth. Another reason that the nations fall, according to uh, the example we have with Israel, <clears throat> is that we develop an insensitivity towards sin. We grow numb to sin and what the Lord describes as sin. In Jeremiah 8, verse 12, it says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. We're talking about reasons nations fall, right? Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. In, their time, in the time of their visitation they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. You know what that verse says there? That verse is saying this. These people no longer feel a conviction or a guilt or a shame to their sin. And he says, what's the end result of that? You're going to fall. You will fall. Now, one thing that keeps me in a, that makes me unsettled is this thought. The wicked are going to do wickedness. Can't change that. Okay. The wicked are always going to continue. I'm talking about the unregenerate wicked man who has not known God. God is not in his thoughts. He has no fear of God. He's going to do wickedness, right? That is a constant, not a variable. That is a constant in this life. What makes me unsettled is that when God's people who have had God's law written on their heart in the new birth continue to grow dull to what sin is. That's when we ought to wake up and say, hey, we're in a bad state right now. When, when one of God's born again children says, you know, I really, you know, I love the Lord and I believe all these things, but I, I really don't have that big a problem with abortion. Folks, that's a major problem. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. Somebody says, hey, I love the Lord and I believe in God and all these things, but I have no problem. Listen to me. I have no problem with fornication. Right? I love the Lord and all these things that he says and he teaches, but I have no problem. All right, hold on with cohabitating. Are you with me? I have no problem acting like married folks, even though I'm not a married folk. We have grown insensitive to sin. And I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings, but I kind of hope it hurts your feelings. You understand? We've become calloused. We've become insensitive and we no longer blush at the sins in our life and we're no longer ashamed of them. That's what happened to Israel. 
and they fail because of it. A man that ceases to see sin as exceedingly sinful will very soon stop repenting. And a man that stops repenting will very soon no longer see the need for a Savior. And a man that no longer sees a need for a Savior will very soon stop praying. And a man that stops praying will very soon forget his God. And a man that has forgotten his God will very soon replace him with another God. So growing insensitive and calloused to sin will ultimately lead you to idolatry, which is another reason nations fall. Now, I hope that I hope that you can see division in our nation is, is going to bring us to our knees. I'm going to talk to you in just a minute here, the last few minutes that I have left, about a righteous division. But I'm talking to you right now about some unrighteous divisions. I pray that you can be humble and walk with mercy in your hearts when somebody just doesn't see something quite like you do. Unless it's written in the Word of God. I hope that you can be kind and gentle to them. I hope that you continue to seek truth. I hope that you see sin as exceedingly sinful because our nation is dependent on it. Now, there is a righteous division, and I'll leave you with that. There is a division in this world that should be there. In the book of Luke, when the angels come to the shepherds and they announce the coming of the Lord, one of the things that they said is peace on earth, goodwill towards men, right? Everybody remembers Linus saying that in Charlie Brown Christmas. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Oh, peace, peace, peace. We're supposed to have 100% total unity and peace. But you know, the Lord says, don't assume that I came to bring peace, but a sword. What does a sword do? A sword divides, right? A sword divides. There were times that the Lord went into a city, and when He went into that city, all He did was wonderful, good, godly, righteous things, and it divided the city. There was a division among the Jews because the presence of the Lord and what He did. He didn't go in there and sin, obviously, but just the truth that He brought divided light from darkness. And it always will. And brothers and sisters, if you have division in your home because of you have an unhealthy attachment to your desires and, and you're selfish, lay it down. But if you see division in your life because you are standing and holding up the pillar and the ground that it is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and people hate you for it, rejoice. And be thankful for that. Because listen, this nation will fall if we don't change. But aren't you glad that the Lord says that this is really and truly, this is not our nation? Yeah, we, I'm a citizen of the United States of America, but this is not my nation. I'm a citizen in the kingdom of God that is everlasting and will never fall. And that's the nation that I'm going to stand with. But as we go through this life and we sojourn through this, this, this nation that we live in, I want you to think about, are you contributing to the things that will bring it to its knees? Or are you walking in such a way that the Lord will look down and be pleased with it to give us another day 
in the greatest country in the world.